Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Welcome everybody back to the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, your eyes filling in for Chris today. But instead of Chris, we have a very special guest, probably one of our biggest names that we've ever had on here. I would like to introduce to you guys the creator of Game of Zones and formerly of the Bleacher Report, Adam Malumet. Adam. Thank you for coming on, man. We're really excited to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, wow, it's cool to be a big name. I uh, don't often get to be a big name, so I like it. And he's from the Philly area. We'll get into more of that a little bit later, right, Adam? Yes, I am from the heart of Philadelphia, also known as Cherry Hill, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> right over the Ben Franklin Bridge. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot of people say that is the, the, the heart and soul, the beating heart of Philadelphia. You know, Adam, actually, I'm from an extension of Philadelphia in a, sten- in a sense because I am originally from Delaware. Oh, okay. Okay. Southern Not Portland, Delaware so. County. Actual no. Delaware State. Delaware State. I am a diehard Blue Coats fan oh, for the G League all Big the Joe way. Joe Flacco guy, huh? Yeah, so so. I mean, Joe's okay. Actually, Adam, Lucas, we were talking about on the podcast before who should ring the bell before one of the Sixers playoffs games, and he actually said Joe Flacco well, should ring go. the bell. There you go. You I mean, well, you know what? You bring that up, Uriah. Didn't I also say before it actually happened, I said Triple H should ring the bell. You did too. What, and what happened? He rang the bell the next mm-hmm. game. I, well, I, I, I'm going to take credit for that one. Yeah, that's, that's right. the I'm reason why. He, that's the reason why he was out there is because they listened okay. to the podcast and you put it out there. So, but but he's on the Eagles now, isn't he? So yeah, yeah, just... no, no. I like Joe Flacco. I like he's <laughs> you know he's got a little bit of a nice little accent from Audubon, New Jersey. You know he's authentic, but uh, but I like Joe Flacco. But he's also you know he hasn't been hasn't been uh, as top notch as he was when he won the Super Bowl for those last few years. So, but we're not talking football, guys. We're talking basketball. We're talking Sixers basketball. So you're right. Take us away, man. Sure, sure. So it's been a while since we recorded a podcast. The last time we spoke to you guys, we lost the first game. And 
Obviously, the other day, the Sixers came out on top, won their second straight game against the Atlanta Hawks that we won 127 to 111. Pretty much took control of that game and never looked back. So thinking about that game three, guys, what are some takeaways you had after you watched that game? What was your overall feeling going into uh, this game coming up? My biggest anxiety anxiety about that game, last game was that we had a dinner planned and I was worried I wasn't going to be able to watch it. Uh, and, uh, and this is something my wife planned. But I was able to watch the first half through a window. We were eating outside on the patio. And then I was the second half, we went inside and I was able to watch the second half. And let me tell you something. I love a stress-free win. Like, I know that everyone in... You know, there's like you, you hear about all the great, amazing game winning shots and like that feels amazing and it's a rush. But to me, there's nothing better than just a easy, dominant blowout. And, you know, after that shaky, shaky game one, uh, it just feels great that when it just the last game felt like a just complete victory. And I'm feeling, you know, I don't obviously being a Philadelphia sports fan, you can never feel too comfortable because disappointment is like always waiting in the wings. But uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good after the last game. You know, like you said, it was a it was an easy win for the Sixers, especially after halftime. But the Sixers were pretty much in control. I would say at least the end of the half, if not before, maybe even the first quarter. To be honest, I mean, I know the Hawks made a couple runs here and there, but it always felt like it was the Sixers' game to lose. You know, and and the Sixers played like that. I mean, we look at the game, we look at the box score here, and the six, I mean, Tobias Harris had another really efficient game, 22 points on 16 shots, nine of five assists, eight rebounds, solid game for him, Joel Embiid, 27 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, three blocks, Ben Simmons was aggressive, which I know makes Uriah happy, 18 points (laughs) and uh, seven assists. Uh, Seth Curry kind of came back down to earth on 12 points on 50% shooting from the field, 40% shooting from three-point line. But he made then, a sweet sky hook or something. He did like a make a, yeah. yeah, he did. And then we had a cork. Corkmaz had a game. He finally broke out of his slump. And we, I, I felt like he was due for it. I think we can all say that the bench was, you know, Shake Milton has had his game the game before. And now Corkmaz has, has had his game. Those two could go along with um, – and Maxi had to get his big game in the first round. So mm-hmm. that's what's exciting about this bench is like, I feel like you never know who it's going to be, but there's like always going to be one guy who's going to step up and all of them are capable when they feel hot to just take the shots and do their thing and have their game. And uh, so I like, I love seeing that. I love this, the idea that it's okay. It's, it's Furkan's chance to do his thing this time with shake last time and Maxi. And so uh, you just hope that one of them is going to do it or else we're in trouble. Oh, for sure. And then, you know, the Sixers did what they needed to do. They made, you know, Trey Young had a decent game, but not he didn't go off like for 35 points, 28 points, eight assists, three turnovers on pretty efficient shooting, but he didn't go off. And the Sixers were able to hold guys like, you know, Clint Capella to bad game. And outside of Danilo Gallinari, their bench didn't really score that much either. So and Kevin Herter. You know, we I, I said after game one, he's a really good defender, and he is, but he got himself into some foul trouble early on in game three, and it just it did not look good for Herter. Um, yeah. So, Lucas, speaking of foul trouble, I just want to say something about Thibel. Thibel is not getting any breaks at all. No. He, he gets a, a, a pinky nail on the jersey of Trey Young, and he's getting fouls called every time, which 
ticks me off because Thibault's my guy. And but I want to go back and what what's happening, Adam, is uh, Lucas is taking a shot at me because I've written articles about trading Ben Simmons <laughs> in the past, I don't know, six to eight months. And I get ripped on, on the website for, for those pieces. But I do support Ben. I think he should be defensive player of the year or should have been. We'll get to that later. But I have to say, um, Ben had a, he stepped up, had a much better game. I think Doc got into him at halftime. But I got to show some love to Seth Curry because as much as Tobias has been steady these entire playoffs, Seth has been stepping up. He's been knocking down threes. He's been hitting jumpers, even the mid-rangers. And he needs to get more credit for his playmaking ability. Uh, he does not turn the ball over as much as people might expect him to. But yeah, he can I, dribble I a little of, bit. He can dribble yeah. a little bit. I mean, you imagine he oh, yeah. would be able to dribble. It's like he's playing against Steph his whole life, you know, in the backyard. Yeah, so you think, yeah. like, if Steph can be that good at dribbling, you know Seth has to have at least some of his brother's moves. So uh, he, can, he, can, he, can, he can take the ball on the floor a little bit, which is nice. So let's talk real quick, guys, because we have more games to play against the Hawks. But and you mentioned it earlier, Adam, we did not have a good first game. So let's try to separate and and kind of see, like, what's the difference between the past two games and the first game? What are the Sixers doing different now that gives us so much optimism moving forward? All right. Well, so uh, one thing, obviously, is that the Hawks aren't making all their shots. (laughs) Like, that was just insane what was going. They just had such a rhythm yeah. in game one. Yeah. And a lot of that, I'm assuming, is because of Doc's adjustments and, you know, not having Danny Green on trays made a big difference. And, like, you know, having Thibault and Simmons on him is, like, a nightmare for anyone. And I think it's screwing him up. And, like, just just kind of screwing up his time. He's a guy who, like, seems to be able to, like, figure things out and evolve mid-game. But, like... That's a hard puzzle to figure out, and it's got him second-guessing things, I think. And I think it's throwing him off the rhythm. And and also, like, that last, like, few minutes of Game 1 had the Hawks shook. The whole momentum, at that point, when the Sixers imposed themselves and their size and got aggressive, that was just a statement that, to me, has carried over through the other two games. And then the other thing is that, you know, just someone on the bench going off, whereas they really, if I remember, I, I don't exactly remember, but I think in the first game, I know the big thing that was talked about was the all bench lineup they put in and they were terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but like minimizing that and getting actually good bench production has been a big difference. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, those are the things that at least seem to me to be obvious. And now, uh, but you really just the Sixers imposing their size and like it's almost like a psychological thing where they're like remembering that they're better and bigger and just imposing their will. I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, obviously, we, me and Uriah both talked about taking uh, Danny Green off the floor. And Uriah, Doc Rivers must have listened to the podcast because you said take Ben out when Hack of Ben started. And he's done that for the last two games, yep. which I think yep. has made a difference. He's a smart man. And on top of that, I mean, you have Ben and Matisse. You always have one of them guarding Trey Young. Trey Young's going to get his, but if you can make it at least a little hard on him, you know, that's the important thing. And even though Trey had an efficient game in game three, let's be real, he was not comfortable. Right. Exactly. He never got it got comfortable. He had maybe one wide open shot. And that was just a breakdown on swi- on a switch, I think. That I can remember. And that was in the first half. Otherwise, he it was contested every time. You know, you make life hard on Trey Young. You don't let the role players, especially the bench for Atlanta, to go off. Because if you if you could hold their bench 
I mean, because like the Sixers bench, their bench could go off at any time too. Herder's no joke. Lou Williams, three times uh, six man of the year, could arguably be the best six man of all time. Uh, I think that still goes to Jamal Crawford, but you know, arguments can be made. Um, also, Ginobili wasn't Ginobili for a while like a six man. Oh I yeah, can't remember. yeah, but I, yeah, yeah you're right. You're you're right, but I don't think he won. He should have won more six man awards, but he didn't. Yeah, yeah, I also not. think he probably became a starter. I I really haven't didn't follow the Spurs oh. that closely, so I don't know. No, 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 he he was never I, a starter. Not, I never think Lou Lou Williams is definitely the sixth man of at least in my lifetime. To me, he's the guy. Like he's who I think of when I think of that spot. Well, you're right. You're the old head here. What do you think? Well, the Sixers used to have a guy named Ron Anderson, number twenty, back in the day, and he would come off the bench for Barkley or whoever. The Sixers had in starting, and he was the microwave. He was equivalent to Vinnie Johnson. From, Deep from the cut. Pistons. Deep yeah. cut. Wow. Yeah. Barkley Sixers, six man. Wow. That's right. Ron Anderson. And here's the, here's the funny thing real quick, guys. Before he uh, signed with the Sixers back in, I think, 89 or 90, he was, I think he was bagging groceries at a grocery store. What? Just yeah, no, no, no BS, guys. It was it was crazy how he just leaped to the NBA and, and made a name for himself. I think that's a real indictment on the NBA in the nineties. <laughs> I think that yeah. just means like the NBA was so guys off the street, right? Right. You know all the arguments about Michael Jordan, like the guys he was going up against were like bagging groceries the day before. It's literally true in this guy's case. Yeah. Like, nowadays, yeah. I don't think you can you can do that. There's so much technique and skill and stuff like that, and like. And like it's it's gotten so complex with movement and stuff like that. But back in the '90s, guy just says, "You know what? I'm going to try out for." It's like you know, I'm going <laughs> to try out for this team. And then he's like, six man of the year." It's like it's like a Disney plot. Before you get to uh, Danny Green's injury, I just want to say the one thing that I feel as though has been a difference is the Sixers are taking care of the ball. And yes. I think the last game they only had 11 turnovers, and on the other side, Atlanta had 11 turnovers, but still. That game one, I think we had eight turnovers in the first quarter, which is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, we can't let yeah. Atlanta take advantage of that because they're they're a team that gets hot. They won't cool down. Ten yeah. turnovers to eleven. We only had ten, yeah. so yeah, in game three. So that you know, yeah, you you make a very valid point. Ben took care of the ball. Joel, ben and Joel only combined for four turnovers. That is phenomenal for those two, considering that they each averaged what three and a half per game this season or somewhere around there and I had to double check, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it's somewhere around that. I want, I want, had one. One. I want Ben, I want Ben to get to CP3's level of assist to turnover ratio. He has 33 assists and three turnovers in the postseason guys. It's crazy. CP3 though is like at this point, like he's like the matrix level of basketball exactly. understanding. Like I like, he, exactly. I mean, like, I just feel like he just sees the code at this point. I don't know if Ben's uh Ben's got a lot of talent, but CP3 is just like embodies to me like just the old man game who just sees it all on the court. Yeah. So it's different. Well, I mean, he he is the point god, and I'm pretty sure yeah. you guys would make a joke on that on Game of Zones if it was still good. I would have loved to see you guys play with that nickname on Game of Zones. That would point god. Mm-hmm. Point god. Thing is, in Game of Zones worlds, there's many gods, so it'd be a exactly. Thrones <laughs> world. So there'd be like different. We 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 actually talked about not to go too much a tangent here, but like we were gonna do a whole thing with like different gods and stuff like that. I forget we had Iverson was one of them. We had different gods of different aspects of the game, like Rodman was the rebounding god and stuff like that. Uh, but we never actually made the episode. But uh, definitely, uh, I, I could think I could see Chris Chris Paul being the point god. Although 
it's weird, a little bit weird to make a current player a deity. I feel like the older players have to be like the godlike, uh, you know, characters in the show. I mean, you could have it like kind of like Magic Johnson passing, passing the torch on to Chris Paul. But yeah, no, I totally, I totally, that would have been great if that would have happened. And we'll definitely talk about that more later. But uh, let's go ahead and switch gears, guys. And because, what, you know, this game three did not come without a price. It was a strained calf, uh, calf muscle from Danny Green in the first quarter. And he is expected now to miss two to three weeks. So, Adam, how, how do you think this absence is really going to hurt the Sixers on both sides of the ball? Yeah, so, like, I know there's a lot of... Danny Green's one of these players that, like, he like kind of like Ben Simmons, a little polarizing. You know, because, like, when Danny Green is off, like, he looks really bad. Like, his misses can be so bad sometimes like and he's kind of got this awkward style and so i think a lot of people get frustrated at him who are more uh not as not as sophisticated in understanding how he how he helps a team uh i really like danny green because one is he's a game of zones fan <laughs> but uh, two is uh like i just think that he's he's a really smart savvy player and not only does he do good things like on both ends of the court even though like yes he got cooked a little bit by Trey Young, but like, uh, but he's still a really, really solid player and he does really savvy veteran things. And I love it. Like when he just like, just stealing an inbounds pass. Cause he's like paying attention. There's like a, you just kind of get the, the little, uh, tip that he did on the, on the jump ball and stuff like that at the tip off. Like there's little, there's little things he does that are just really smart, savvy veteran things. And I think those things make a difference in this level of play. Like, you know, as you get deeper into the playoffs, guys like him, really make a difference. And I'm worried because like a calf strain is no joke. You know, I actually strained my calf playing Zog soccer and uh, ended my season. It was really, really bad. And like, it was, excuse me, excuse me. What is Zog soccer? I've never heard of that. So, it's just soccer. so Zog is just a league. It's just like an ag uh, league you joined. It's the name of okay. like a amateur okay. league. Anyone can join. And then soccer is the sports soccer. So, uh, so I was just playing soccer with a bunch of other 30 year olds and, uh, I pulled my calf and it was bad news, but I thought he was going to be out much longer. So I'm actually happy with two to three weeks. Like he'll get, you know, get, maybe he can come back for the Eastern conference finals at the end of them. If the Sixers get there and like, uh, and you know, you get him in the finals. So I, I, I thought it'd be longer than that. So I'll take it, but it sucks, but you know, we'll, we'll see who steps up. And, and luckily we have that revolving door of bench guys and any one of them can step up. I think it's going to be with doc. It's just going to be about figuring out who is the right, you know, who's the, who's the person that fits for that night or is feeling it that night and kind of get them a little more time to fill in for him, but we'll see. So I, I think the biggest word that you spoke that I heard that you, that you said, Adam is veteran. And I think that's one of the main reasons why the Sixers picked up Danny green is he has all this experience. He's won three championships, obviously with three different teams. Hopefully this will be his fourth. But the one thing that, and this is kind of like an out there coin flip type of statement, but he's been kind of cold uh, recently. And he was, I feel as though he was due for a big game. And we won't see that now. Just like Shake Milton, he was just non-existent for weeks and then all of a sudden he goes off and scores 14 points in 14 minutes. And I think that Danny was due for that game. It might have been this next game. It could have been the clinching game. But I think the veteran experience will miss. And I, I think he was due for a big game. 
Well, you guys bring up some good points. But first off, we didn't get him before his veteran. We got him because he was a better option than Al Horford. Let's let's be clear. He was a much better fit than Al Horford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. You're right. But it's so, one of the reasons why, right? Yeah, of course. One I of mean, reasons. I'm sure they could have made other trades to get rid of Al Horford, but that one obviously seems to be the most logical one. I will say this. He was hot in the first round, Uriah. He's he was cold in the second round, I'm not gonna lie. But the first round he shot forty seven percent from the three point line. Had 1.4 blocks and one steal per game in that first round against the Wizards, yeah, playing like pretty good defense. Streaky. He's crazy. Yeah, streaky. Well, and I mean, at this age, at this age, yeah, he's what 33 now, 33, 34. Yeah, he's like the original and 3 and D guy, I think. Like, that's he, what. Yes, that's, that's what that's, Lucas. He preaches that every episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every right. chance I get. Adam validated it. It's yeah. it's a wrap. He validated. He's like old school, original, like three and one of those guys. Like when it just started becoming a thing, I feel like he was one of the these, those guys. Yeah, he was the first player I ever heard that term used for. So yeah. I've using. I've been preaching that. Thank you for. I feel validated <laughs> on this podcast so much, Adam. Thank you so much. But yes. no, I mean so. I mean, at this age, you know, he's going to have off nights. And to be fair, I think he's playing much better for the Sixers this postseason than he played for the Lakers last postseason. So. Kudos to Green for stepping it up. I will also say this, that uh, like veteran leadership is a key thing, and I think having a veteran that you can trust that to make the right decisions is a very important thing to have in the playoffs. And outside of George Hill, who's really just been the substitute for Ben Simmons so far this postseason, there isn't really a veteran wing on that perimeter that Doc River can, Rivers can go to and be like, Okay, I know for a fact you know what you're supposed to do, and you're going to do the be- it to the best of your ability. And the fact is, and, and I remember reading a tweet today, and I can't remember if it was from Noah Levick uh, or Kyle Newbeck, but one of them wrote that Doc Rivers said he's going to start a 76er. He doesn't know who's it going to be. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he like, didn't want to give it away. Yeah. And, and like the other thing is, like whoever you're going to start – Unless you go for George Hill, which I don't think it will be spoiler for the future um, comment, uh, section that we're going to talk about here. But you're not going to get something on both sides of the ball. Although yes. a Korkmaz, see, like my understanding was he played a little better defense last game. I don't like I didn't like watch close enough to see that. But I, I heard people talking about that. I think they were talking about it on like Ricky Sanchez or something like that. And like uh, and so like uh, he you know, if he he can, you know, if he can be serviceable and then Thibault, it's. Like he he occasionally is functional on offense and hits some shots, but like you're right, no one really is the complete is 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 as evenly balanced as Danny Green uh, mm-hmm. on the bench when it comes to that stuff. And also like another thing about Danny Green that you're talking about being a veteran and stuff, like, he just always kind of chill and like I feel like there's something to s- say for that kind of presence, like the calming guy who has the rings and doesn't freak out because like they're definitely like when. Historically, in the playoffs with the, this iteration of the Sixers, the Simmons and Bede Sixers, like they, there's times like they just get really tight and then get rattled and clumsy, and yeah. that's happened. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's good to have a guy who's been there before, just to, who has, you know, just can be calm. And he's a calming presence in, in my mind, even though he waddles around all stiff like JJ Redick, like him and JJ Redick, like <laughs> the stiffest looking dudes waddling around the court, <laughs> like they always have a bad back. But um, but like you know, I he his presence is is. I feel like that's important for a team that can get free. They get like rattled sometimes, at least from what I feel like, like in the last few years. For sure. I think you make a really great point. You're right. Did you want to add anything or do you want to move on? 
No, let's let's go ahead and move on because because we want to get to the good stuff, which is the uh, game of zones. Uh, the last topic relative to uh, the Sixers revolves around last week's uh, MVP results and, of course, Defensive Player of the Year. And it is no secret that the Sixers had Joel Embiid in the running for MVP of the NBA. And then, of course, Ben Simmons for Defensive Player of the Year. We all know what happened. It was not good if you're a Sixers fan. But we want to know um, the opinion of Adam, and obviously we'll chime in. Adam, what's your thoughts about Embiid coming in second for MVP? Uh, okay, so I I believe that Embiid is like the blood. I'm obviously biased, but I think he's the best player in the world. Uh, you know, I love the guy. Just I think he, in all facets, he's quickly becoming my favorite Philadelphia athlete of all time. Um, mm-hmm. And and he's amazing. He missed the time and whatever. I will say that Jokic. What I like about Jokic is it makes me feel like wow, a guy with my body type, not that big, but like a, a guy that soft can win. Uh, the MVP of the NBA, anything's possible uh, for guys who have a shape like me. So I, I like that. Um, but, I, you know, overall, I think, like, I didn't watch that much Jokic because I just didn't watch that much of the Nuggets. Whenever I do watch them, like, he's always incredibly impressive. And, like, he's, like, it's just, like, he's he's another one of these, like, CP3-level Matrix guys who just sees everything. And, and it's, like, he just, it's just, like, he's got such a natural pretty pretty game and his numbers is like are off the charts this year so by my understanding like he does deserve it but you know i'm partial to joel Embiid because i just think he you know he's he plays defense for one uh and as opposed like as opposed like serviceable serviceable defense like Embiid makes a real impact i think Embiid you know impacts the game overall in a bigger way but you know it depends how much you want to value playing every game and not getting hurt, you know, and, and accruing whatever stats you accrue during that time. Um, so, you know, both guys are amazing. Uh, you know, there's other guys we can consider, but all that matters is really whether or not Embiid won it or not. Uh, you know, so I, I think that Jokic is amazing to watch. He's fun to watch. Uh, he's really a unique player. And it's also cool to see a second round player. Like the big joke with him was that like when he was drafted, there was it was on a Taco Bell commercial. Do you know this? <laughs> what? They, yeah. They, they, so the NBA draft was showing a Taco Bell commercial, and it just said on the bottom of the screen that he was drafted. Like they didn't even talk about it. Wow. And <laughs> That's like, hilarious. That to, to win, go from Taco Bell commercial to uh, to NBA MVP. It's a Ron Anderson level story right oh. there. So, uh, <laughs> so that's that's my thoughts. I love Joel, but I, I can't hate on Jokic for getting getting the award. Well, I, I'm I, I get where you're coming from, and I agree. I will say this, if Joel didn't miss as many games as he did, and then on top of that, I, I felt like he did kind of take his foot off the gas at the last like three or four games of the regular season, and that's expected, especially when he knew, knew he probably wouldn't win the MVP after missing all those games. I think Jokic was probably the right choice. Um, interesting fact, first Nuggets player to ever win the MVP, and as you said, the, the lowest drafted player to ever win it. Most uh, Everybody else was a lottery pick at some point, I believe. So that's that's phenomenal. Great for him. Greatest passing big man of all time. I think it's safe for us to say that already. Uh, probably a top 15 passer of all time, period, um, at this point. Or when his career is done, I think that's fair to say, if he c- continues this level of uh, play. Um, I will say this. I'm surprised you all only got one first place vote. He yeah. got 62 second place votes, but he only got one first place vote. He tied, and I kid you not, I don't know who did this, but they should not be allowed to vote anymore. Derrick Rose <laughs> yeah, that's, got that's a first bad. place. 
That's yeah. bad. That's horrible. No, terrible. Derrick Rose, we love you, but nah, it's not there anymore, man. They um, don't reveal who votes for people, do they? Uh, sometimes they do. I that don't should know. be revealed. I feel like that yeah. should be revealed. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I will say this, Ben Simmons got a fourth place vote for MVP. So something I don't know where there. that came from. <laughs> I don't know where, where it came from, from either. But, you know, that's awesome that he did. I think if Joel Embiid stays healthy and he plays at the same level next year, there's, and the Sixers are still top seed in the East, no reason why he shouldn't get it. Yeah, so, Lucas, you, you completely stole my thunder. I was going to bring up the first-place vote, only getting one first-place vote. That is, there's no way on God's green earth that a player like Joel Embiid's stature who put up such tremendous numbers this season and played his heart out. And, look, it wasn't his fault that in that Washington mm-hmm. game he busted yeah. his knee. That was not his fault. And mm-hmm. it, here's the simple question, okay, for anybody who voted for him, whoever voted for Derrick Rose or Ben Simmons' fourth-place fourth vote, listen. Simple question. Can Joker or can Embiid dominate on offense and defense? If you say yes to one and not the other, there's your MVP. And Adam said it earlier, it's defense. Embiid Mm -hmm. impacts the defensive side of the ball so much so Mm -hmm. that guys don't even try and shoot on him. That's how bad he is in the middle. So I I get worked up because I've been lobbying for him as if I have any Mm -hmm. lobby power, (laughs) period. But Embiid is my favorite player. He's been my favorite player since the first shot that he took against Oklahoma City uh, several years ago, Adam. And I feel as though he was robbed. And and I do have a theory about why he didn't win and also why Ben didn't win, but we'll get to that later. Well, I, I will. I, I'm going to add one. Th- I want to say one thing to that, Uriah. In terms of Joel, yes, he is the most dominant two-way player, most dominant. And I'm not going to say best player in the NBA, but – Yes, the knee injury, but that's part of the game. What's not part of the game is the 10-plus games he missed because of COVID protocols, and that should not be held against him. We're counting just injuries? Right. Then, okay, yeah, fine. But if we're saying that we should count the COVID protocol game missed against him for MVP, that's not his fault. Right. He wasn't sick, so he didn't have COVID. He just had to go with the league's policy, and that should not be held against him. Yeah, and, and, and Lucas... And Lucas, and I mean, Joker, you guys gave some really well-deserved credit to him. He's a very phenomenal offensive player, great passer, great vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at him now. He's down 0-3, but he'll get the most valuable attendance award in the playoffs. So he'll he'll earn that one. Well, okay, to be fair to him, his best two co-stars, one of them's out because of an ACL tear, and the other one's playing through an injury. Nah, his guards are like, what's his name? Frank Monte Lafonso. Morris, Austin Rivers. Sorry, Austin. And, I mean, Austin played great first round, but this second round, eh. and then that rookie who's like 28 years old. Yeah. I don't even Compazzo. Pazzo, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's got Aaron right. Gordon. He's got the slam dunk Facundo champion. Compazzo, Facundo Compazzo. I'm not gonna try to pronounce that because I don't want to accidentally say. Sounds like word on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. Um, I will say, I mean, yeah, Aaron Gordon's good, but he's a like Andre Iguodala elite role player. He's not gonna, he's he, he probably won't ever be an all star. He only got one, but like he's the guy that does all the little things that can score as well. But he does a lot of little things that are really good. They should just throw lobs to him. Just throw lobs to him the whole game. He can get up. I mean, maybe, but I mean, let's (laughs) be real. This Utah, this you, no Phoenix. I'm expecting Phoenix to get the sweep. They're actually playing right now while we're recording, and I'm going to watch that game after we're done. Because I, uh, uh, Adam, by the way, 
before I wrote for the Sixer Sense, I was the say expert for the Phoenix Suns webpage for Fan Insights. So I was doing that before this. Mm. Um, so I have a little bit of vested interest in the Suns. Okay, yeah. Well, they got our our boy Sarich is over there right now. Big got Dario, big Dario guy. I love Dario. I was watching him like in the game last game. Dude's diving all over the floor. I just love that guy's grit is just off the charts. Like he's Super just like Dario. he like what he what he doesn't have in skill, he makes up for and just like all out every play diving to stop like he just i just love that dude that dude's awesome. well we have ever thought of him as a small ball five when he was in philly because i thought of him more as a three four hybrid but yeah you know him, he he was playing great i still feel robbed by that zaire smith trade because mm. we had mikhail bridges oh gosh oh, that would have been the perfect match for this team perfect match for this team hey but think about it this way if, if things have fell other ways you know like you know like obviously the one that kills me is the tatum not taking trading back or trading up uh, and, and, uh, that's that every time i watch tatum i'm just like I, it's like a pain inside my stomach so there's there's some you, bad news you know, but you know i was one of the few people on this site that said if if you believe ben simmons is a point guard you need to go for tatum but everybody else was like no and this was chris and this was our former boss josh who Hint, hint, he might be on the podcast soon, guys. They were all like, yeah, let's go get Markel. I'm like, no, if you believe Ben Simmons is a true point guard, then you need to get a scoring wing, and that's Jason Tatum. And I just well, saw the star potential with Tatum. You were right, uh, because he's good, and Markel Fultz is, uh, you know, having some, had some issues, and uh, <laughs> he's still yeah. figuring it out. But, like, you know, if, let's just, but, like, all those bad moves, there's so much to get frustrated about, good and bad, but, like, you know, we wouldn't have gotten Thibault. We got Maxi. Like Maury's here. Like there's like a lot of things, and with Doc's here that have fallen into place because of those moves. And hey, the Celtics—they did get Tatum, and look at them now—they're in shambles. So yeah. you never know. Yeah, they, it's always a butterfly effect. And so I'm just happy to mm-hmm. for whatever we have now. We got Embiid, and that's the number one most important thing. Well, you know what? They 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 screwed up on trading. Uh, you know, us for Thibault. They should have kept him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think we need to switch gears, right, Uriah? Yeah, let's go ahead and finish this this um, award section off. So Simmons obviously came in second place to Rudy Gobert. Adam, give us your thoughts. Do you think he was robbed? Do you think he um, – was it fair? What do you think? Um, well, obviously – so Simmons, like, is an amazing defensive player. And, yeah, I don't even know how to see defense because I – like, I, I see – okay, like, Thibel is someone who I can see is really good. I can see that Ben Simmons is really good. And I just know from all the stats and everyone talking about how good Ben Simmons is. And I know that he can shut down people in the penitentiary. And, like, he, he's he's great. I don't watch enough Rudy Gobert game in game out to, like, actually compare their impact. But, like, I have a lot of sour taste in my mouth for, for Gobert. It started with the, the COVID stuff and everything like that. And then it kind of, like, just changed his, like, perception. I feel like he was kind of a, like, people liked him. And then, like, all of a sudden now he's a villain. And then I know, like, um, when the Sixers played the Jazz, there was some beef. And then people, you know, and so, like, I feel like he, he complains a lot. And so, like, I have a negative perception of Rudy Gobert that makes me think, that well, obviously Ben should win because I don't like the other guy. But um, <laughs> but like Gobert is obviously when you do watch him, like it's he's 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 he, he's he's so good on defense every year. It's almost like in a way. Sorry for this ramble here, but like, and I'm not even sure if what I'm going to say makes sense. But like Giannis didn't win MVP this year, even though his numbers again were ridiculous because they kept giving it to him, and they kept you know like bowing out early in the playoffs, kept choking. And so they're like this year with MVP, he just fell back in the conversation almost because he won it so much. And I feel like with Gobert, he's such a, a consistent defensive 
like he's always he always talked about as like one of the top defenders that I just felt like maybe uh let's it'd be in, more interesting to make it Ben Simmons this year but I'm sure that Gobert deserves it uh you guys might be able to speak more intelligently than than me on this I have been campaigning for Ben Simmons all season long and the reason is because Gobert is the best team defender because what he what his defense inside the paint does for the Utah Jazz is phenomenal and he's a great shot blocker no denying that but he is limited. Ben Simmons isn't. He can literally guard one through five. We saw that in the first round. We see that in this series because we see center Simmons, which I love. And, you know, we Ben Simmons barely lost any individual matchups in this regular season. He, he put the clamps on a lot of great offensive players like Devin Booker, Luka Doncic. I could go on. And then on top of that, he lit up. Rudy Gobert for 42 points. Okay, good point. That alone. He, yeah, and then Joel Embiid lit him up for a 30-plus point game. I can't remember how much Joel had. I think he was like 38, something like that. I mean, so I don't understand. I, I guess it's because Utah is the best team in the NBA record-wise, and they got to get some awards because, you know, people were busting on them on right. the All-Star because nobody wants to go to the Utah Jazz. <laughs> right. Or, or, I mean, but they already got Jordan Clarkson, sixth of the man of the year. And when I think of great all-time defenders, you know, Ben Wallace won the award more than twice. Uh, I think Dikembe McTumbo, right? He won the award more than twice. Yeah, yeah, he did. But, but I wouldn't put Rudy Gobert up with those guys. He's not that elite. He's not. And I, and I, I don't want to bash the guy because he is a pretty good defensive center. I'm not going to lie. He's probably, I would say, you know, I would say him and Joel are the best two in the NBA, but is the difference between them two that big? I don't think so. I mean, Gobert gets more sh- blocked shot, but Joel Embiid influences, you know, teams driving to the paint just as much as Gobert does. Lucas, you pretty much, I really don't have anything to add because you <laughs> really gave some really intelligent answers. And uh, you're talking about being smart on this topic, Adam. I, I'm not speaking with intelligence. I'm pure emotion. I'm pure emotion right, <laughs> right now. And you look at Gobert, right? All right. He's he's as tall as the Eiffel Tower. He's from France, by the way, I think. Uh, he's, yeah, he's as tall as the Eiffel Tower. He sits under the basket and he waits for guys to come into the paint where he can swat the shot. Okay, whoop the freaking do. Ben Simmons, like you guys were talking about, he can guard every position. And talking about individual matchups, he rarely lost any, like Lucas said. Mm-hmm. And my theory, I have a theory, guys. Here we go. Check this out. I really feel like that the sports writers and whoever else is part of the voting process for MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, I think they're sending a message. And that message is to tank on purpose should never happen again. And it's on record. Greeny went off last postseason. He was like, the process failed and all this other stuff. I really think they're sending a message because there's no reason that Embiid should get one first place vote and that you can overlook the impact of Simmons' versatility compared to Gobert. So, and yeah, I will yeah. say this. Both Embiid and Simmons got the most second place votes for their respective rewards. And Embiid also showed up on this award with one, two second place and one third place. Um, but no, I, I mean, it's a theory. I'm not. I'm not too conspiracist theory. I, I leave that to you, Uriah. They're sending um, a message. I. I, I do. I know tank there, there are a lot of people that didn't like tanking. I know Stephen A. Smith didn't like it, but I think his was more for racial components of that than it was actual tanking. Tanking. Um, 
but I'm not going to touch that one right now. But my point is, I don't know if that's the case. You know, maybe they just didn't feel like the Sixers, even though they were the top seed in the East, maybe they just didn't feel like neither one of those players should get it. And like I said, I think Joel would have gotten it if he didn't miss 21 games. I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if I, because like the I agree with that theory, although it's an interesting theory, and um, it, because the guys who are voting are just media guys, right? It's just like mm-hmm. it's yeah, just media guys, and like you can kind of like most of those guys are available to like see how they feel about things and like uh you know like like you know zach Lowe, for example he's a big sixer guy i think there's as much variety in in i don't i don't know that like i feel like the league might harbor some resentment for the sixers doing that but i don't know if the media uh guys still do but you might be right you know there are definitely guys who just don't like the sixers for tanking so maybe that's there but I don't know. I mean, we still got Ben Simmons rookie of the year. I feel like uh, you know that was a controversial <laughs> that was a controversial one, and we got that. So uh, Donovan, Mid- Donovan Mitchell may disagree with you. <laughs> Gosh, I you know, looking back guy. on that now, I don't know if you know who would you rather have now. I mean, that's a that's a much more. Hey, Lucas, be, uh, before we get to the game zone stuff, which I know everybody's been waiting for, real quick, I think people are going to want to go to Utah now because Dwayne Wade is a owner of the jazz now did you guys know i mean if they can get rid of their racist uh, fans i'm not saying uh, all jazz fans are racist but there's more than enough yeah Uh, it's been there's been some incidents out there yeah but you know what if we can rate this ship i mean yeah they might actually become a free agent destination i mean i don't know what else it would take but i I can see that i'll tell you what here's my theory on that sorry to cut you off it's that i think that like the fact that LeBron said it's not cool is going to make it cool because yeah. LeBron is the king of cringe. And there's oh, going to be yeah. a lot of guys who are like, oh, yeah, it's not cool. Let me show you. And they're going to want to go. It's going to be it's going to be chic now because it's going to be all the guys who want to uh, rebel against. about The Le- king Le- of cringe. I love that, Adam. I got to steal that one. LeBron, <laughs> he is the king. <laughs> that, you know what? That That's pretty clever. I enjoy that very much. So I wish it would have made it on a game of zones. But, yeah. you know, yeah, it could happen. But. Let's go ahead. We, we let's just jump into game of zones. And sure. before we get into it, before we get into our you know questions that we already have here on the agenda, I do want to have the fans listen because I don't know if our fans know this, but you got to meet the man himself behind the process, right? Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, we were at the uh, with so in 2018 uh, we did the opening video for the Sloan. Uh, analytics conference and uh we were asked by uh now sixers gm president uh whatever it is title something high up uh daryl morey and uh <laughs> and so we did we did the uh this intro is barack obama was the uh keynote speaker and we had him rescue hinky who was being burned at the stake for his love of analytics and process related things Beautiful. and uh anyway so we were there and we were we, we were with uh kirk goldsbury we had dinner with him randomly and he's like, you guys want to come with us to this like analytics party after. And like, we're like, yeah. And so we came to this, it was like, it was like a bar with like all the analytics people in the league. It was super interesting and fun. And it was, it was, it's like a whole different NBA world there. And, um, it's like the nerdy side of the NBA and they're all big say a nerd yeah, bar. Okay. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, yeah. It's definitely the nerdy side of the NBA, but like, uh, I would definitely put my brother and I in, in the nerd side of the NBA, if, you know, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to the player side and cool guys who actually can play the game, we're definitely in the skew nerd 
But uh, but so we were there, and these guys loved uh, the, you know, these guys loved Game of Zones, and it was fun. And then all of a sudden, it was like he's like Kirk's like uh, he's like you see this uh, there's Hinky, and it's like it was like in the movie where it's like you see the pretty girl, it's like. Ah! And like the spotlight comes down, and I see him standing yes. there. I'm like, oh my god, it's my, it's I'm Hickey. There he is. It was like the the god himself. And uh, anyway, I was I was drunk. My brother wasn't. I <laughs> talked to him. He was super nice. Uh, it's so funny because when you talk to him, he's just like, you know, he's got a southern drawl, and he just sounds like just a, a yokely kind of guy. But like, he's like super <laughs> smart. And um, he was a little uncomfortable because I was like aggressively telling him how much I appreciate everything he did and how great he is. And I was like, we will never hurt you in Game of Zones. We will never make fun of you. We will. You you are safe. You are safe. And uh, my brother's like, he's drunk. I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, something else happened. I'm trying to remember. Oh, he told us a story of how I asked him if he had seen the process episode. And he said that, like, you know, I still haven't watched it. But uh, when it was when it was, I was teaching a class at Stanford when. Uh, I guess I'm also doing Hank Hill from King of the Hill, but somehow that's the, the voices <laughs> mixed together. We love it. I was confused. I was confused. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, you know, my phone was blowing up, all, you know, in my back pocket, and uh, it was Daryl telling me I had to watch this cartoon. But uh, it, but he he's is clearly he's sensitive to being made fun of, and I could think he thought our cartoon may have made fun of him, even though we made him like a hero. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think he was afraid that we were kind of poking fun at him, and but which we weren't. Uh, also, I think I was just being really like aggressive in wanting to like tell him how much i loved him so that you, was it you met you met a, one of your personal heroes it's understandable yeah especially especially when you've had one or two sips but um yeah, five. Well, <laughs> five you know <laughs> i i'm not gonna judge but um all right. okay all right so let's get into this so you grew up near pretty very close to philadelphia cherry hill new jersey with your brother craig who you stated yep. uh worked with you on game of zones uh, yep, co-creator, co-creator. He is, uh, he's 50%. Yes, yeah. He's, uh, he's 50%, but, uh, as I like to say that I'm the main guy, I'm, he might disagree, okay. but it's, uh, fair, it's really fair enough. We're not, we're not going to get into brothers. Problem, <laughs> but, you know, I have to ask you, what was it like to grow up being a Philly sports fan that close to Philadelphia? Uh, you know, so obviously Cherry Hill isn't like, where it's not like we're next to the stadiums, but we're, you know, close enough to me. Like, it's like, if you get the news, wherever you get your news from, that's like where you, you know, you're, you live and die with the, that's where you're like, feel connected to. But for me, you know, growing up, listening to like 610 WIP, like that was like before the fanatic and everything was just WIP. And it, you know, it was just like, I, I, I just, I would stay up late every night listening to philly fans being like yeah man freaking eagles are gonna you know, six to hell. why are they taking it like you know all that stuff and like i developed um the like the voice of the fans just like grew in my brain but also like uh the the passion and the know-it-all sort of vibe of philly fans but also like i, I here's the thing it's like i was simultaneously like soaking it all in all these fans and how the fans acted, and I still employ that when it comes to like trying to create characters and stuff like that. I got a lot of influence from Philly fans or growth. I am one of those fans, and I know the feeling of disappointment over and over again. And to be honest, like the thing about being a Philly fan that I feel like defined my growing up was like just disappointment all the time. Like it took till 2008 till the Phillies won. And then, you know, the Eagles in 2017 is the only champions I've seen my whole life. Although I was born in 83. So technically I was a month old when the Sixers won, but I, I don't really remember that. I'm going to be honest. Um, 
But like, you know, to me, it's defined by just moments of moments of so many times getting my heart broken and like falling in love with the team and just getting my my heart broken. And so that's why I'm very I try to be funny and silly and not take it too seriously and kind of be meditative and stoic about like sports and not get sucked in. But I got to say, that's what's scary about the Sixers team. I'm kind of pretty sucked in right now. <laughs> and like I'm my uh, like like they've got my heart, this team. Like I really like these guys and I feel like they're a special unit. And um, and I kind of really need them to win now. So uh, yeah. so I, I always try to it's like it's like someone who's been like hurt too much and like their love life, like will like have walls up. That's how I am with Philly sports. Like I. I've been hurt so much that like I try not to let the teams take my heart because I don't want to be have it broken. But this team, I'm letting my guard down, and uh, it's a scary thing. So Adam, I, I I grew up in Philly. I'm probably a little older than you, and this team, the Sixers team, it's so endearing. It kind of reminds me of the '93 Phillies because no one really saw them coming, or at least overachieving. And I I, I don't want, I don't want to say that the Sixers are overachieving this year, but they do have some really interesting characters and players that you can connect with. And speaking of the Phillies, I was watching earlier today, I think it was one of your first films or animations. Oh, yeah. Where yeah Ryan talking. Howard and yeah. Utley were on the bus and yeah. he was saying, oh, I was dreaming. Yeah. What are you dreaming about? And he just kept he kept us hanging on. He wouldn't reveal it. And finally, he was like, I, I dream of hitting home runs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was just so it was just very, I don't know, it was just it was funny. It wasn't you. you I didn't know what Super to expect. I thought, yeah. I thought he was going to say, uh, I was dreaming of pets because okay. Utley loves animals, right? Okay. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, I can connect with the whole Philly sports thing. And when you were mocking the fans on WIP, you took me back to like 04, 05, when every time Donovan would throw the ball at the foot of the feet of the receiver, oh, fans yeah. were like, Donovan, yeah. he's throwing it in the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, the McNabb years were just like well, all those guys. This, the orcs really came out of the woodwork for for that. Um, but uh, yeah, that was but that was that was prime era for like the you saw freaking McNabb like that. That was uh, that was prime era for that. All right, so let's get back to the game of zones, guys. So Adam, your show is so popular. I can't even count how many millions of views on YouTube that that game of zones has gotten for all the seasons. But just give us a, a quick rundown. How did that how did that come about, the whole Game of Zones series? Well, sim- you know, we had done that. So that that um the Chase Utley Ryan Howard cartoon Baseball Friends, uh, that became Sports Friends on Yahoo. And we ran that ran for two seasons. And someone uh, Bleach Report had seen that show and uh, they were at the time expanding. They'd just been bought by Turner. And uh, and so this uh, he we were approached by Bleach Report and about some sort of like they were just wanted to try new things and he liked our animation so he's like we'd want to love a partnership with you guys and just do a maybe and at the time it was just a one-off like they wanted we were just figuring out a project to do together and it was really just a freelance uh animated thing and we pitched him a bunch of ideas and one of them was uh we were my brother and i were watching like game of thrones at the time so we wanted to do a spoof of that and we pitched um initially it was the nfl mashup with game of thrones mm-hmm. and and but they were like, let's do the NBA because like we were we could have done the we I think we might have said the NBA too, but like they will prefer to do the NBA because Turner has the TNT and there's a more and it was the NBA playoffs and so they they have the rights and so it just made more sense and then we went and we Craig and I did everything we uh, we did the voices we wrote it we did the voices we animated it um, you know we did it all in a crazy timeline and we were just like let's just see what happens like I didn't. We didn't expect it to 
go insane like it did but uh it like then like it just went everywhere it went super viral the first one and then bleach report was like hey you guys want to make a second one and i told craig i'm like we used up all the jokes we used up all the jokes there's no more jokes about this match. we can't do another one tell me we, we can't do another one and somehow and craig's like we can do another one so we figured it out we did another one and then um that's when the guy at Bleach Report, Bennett Spector, who ran the Media Lab, was like, do you guys want to come in-house at Bleach Report? And at the time, Craig and I were trying to pitch, like, cartoons, and and uh, we were, like, kind of just, like, having... We were kind of, like, out in L.A., just kind of finding our way, and it wasn't in the cards for us to go move to San Francisco at the time and make sports cartoons full-time, uh, but we're like, this seems like a really interesting opportunity and so we went and did it and then like, you know, ended up doing seven seasons of Game of Zones and uh, and, you know, and and as well as other shows. And and additionally, we also went from just all Craig and I doing everything to Craig and I doing the voices and the writing with a little bit of writing help. And then uh, and then uh, we had a whole production team. So we grew there and uh, feel like we hit our ce- ceiling on Game of Zones by season seven. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I think you definitely got as a person that loves Game of Thrones, I have all eight seasons on DVD or Blu-ray. And the fact that I'm a basketball nut, I I immediately connected to it. I know a lot of people that either, you know, watch basketball or watch Game of Thrones usually uh, you know, not so much people that watch Game of Thrones, but basketball players at least know about Game of Thrones and having that like narrative because the NBA is a story. It, it, oh, yeah. it's a there's so many stories yeah, yeah. you could a, if you if you watch so, game if you watch the nba like you have to watch the nba to get it uh mm-hmm. you don't have to watch game of thrones to get it because like but you mm-hmm. have to know the nba it's really for yeah. nba heads you know mm-hmm. yeah because the nba is the best uh and i don't like using the word soap opera but it is the best soap opera in sports agreed agreed there's so, i mean for the nfl it's a lot tougher because there's so many different players and no, is perfect making, for you, it. you know what aaron Rodgers is trying to though i'll give yeah. that yeah uh yeah either, you know occasionally listen the, the the other sports have their drama but nothing compares to the nba because there's less players like you said they don't wear helmets they're much bigger personalities and there's a lot more like feuds and you can see it and like talking trash is like a real part of the game and like <laughs> the drama mm-hmm. like and like the changing two teams and like the beefs like that's all so much a part of the game and it's just a much more interpersonal game like guys are just it's just the physicality of the game it's just it's just different even you know you compare it to hockey but they're wearing helmets and it's like it's just different you know it's just different yeah so out of all the episodes that you have made and i think you kind of hinted to this before we came on the air but which one stands out to you the most and why you know it's interesting so different episodes stand out for different reasons you know like and and some of them are really wacky so but like like um uh you know like for example like for me like as a so so really there's different buckets i'll put things in but like obviously the sixers episodes the process episode was like a really big deal like even though it's a silly little thing i was like i I was like someone writing like their like thesis and call i was like stressing out i was like this has to be perfect i I talked to everyone like this has to be this i talked to other sixers fans i'm like does this make this right is i was like i was like that this has to be i have to nail this uh and uh, and because I wanted to make that one a lot. And like, so that one, you know, obviously has a place in my heart. Um, and then like, there's other reasons, like, for example, you know, uh, in I think the Raptors episode where the, with the Kawhi trade is probably the best episode um, mm, that, you know, like yeah. in terms of like self-contained episode, I think the last mm. season is really special because we were able to tie create some ridiculous like 
story plot like line that carried through to episodes, which is really challenging to do when you're trying to map to the real world. Um, and uh, and so that episode that that was cool. In addition, like it was like it came out right around when the last dance came out and um, they, it was right in the beginning of lockdown. And so people didn't have that much stuff. And so like it was cool to make something that people were looking forward to when they're all locked away in their homes. So that was meaningful. And then there's little things like um, the triple Dirks episode. I know that <laughs> yeah. Dirk, I heard Dirk saw, you know, and so he talked about <laughs> it on a podcast and that's cool. And like and like and along those lines, like I know Mark Cuban saw his episode. And so uh, <laughs> there's certain things like uh, episodes, certain episodes stand out because I know the players saw it and thought it was is funny so uh and and i know that each episode is special to uh each you know each, each fan base so i i, I don't know I, I really there's not one episode that stands out for above all it's like each one has something uh special about it um yeah i guess that's so uh, so, so follow-up question two-part two follow-up question here on that one was there any players that didn't like their cameo in there and the other thing and you know i'll actually save that second part for the uh for the next question but was there any players that had negative reactions and what was the worst one you got so i don't know of any players that had negative reactions though i am suspicious that tj warren may have subtweeted us uh, <laughs> uh so like like after the um, episode came out with the, the original Sun Kings episode, which is another one that like a little underrated when it came out, but people now appreciate that one. Uh, and that's where the Kings and the Suns try to form an alliance. Yeah. Uh, in that one, I think he was called a ball hog or something like that, and uh, or something like that. And like right <laughs> after that came out, everyone was talking about it. He tweeted something about like about haters and something like that. I'm like, and I'm like, I wonder if that, oh, that'd be so cool if he's talking about us as a hater. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so that might have been that. But honestly, every athlete has been super cool about it i mean even um mario horzonia who we had they, they traded they chose a horse over him in the trade yeah like he was <laughs> laughing about it and and everyone generally is is super cool about it there there's one particular owner of the knicks who uh, may or may not have had a problem with the uh oh i'm sure i'm knicks. sure he probably didn't <laughs> you can google that and uh and you'll, you'll see that, that 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 came out at some point uh, but uh but yeah that there's uh, he he's one person who um, may or may not have uh, complained. Did he ban you guys from the garden, like you guys uh, said in that in the, oh in the draft God, that, episode? You know that'd be an honor to be to be among the band. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know, but uh, I'm pretty sure if he knew, like it, I, I can imagine that, like uh, if we, have, I haven't tried to go to a game since then, but uh, maybe we're on a list. <laughs> maybe you'll. I, I mean, so. you'll find out if, if if you ever go to Madison Square Garden. I'm pretty yeah. sure that they'll find you'll find out if you are or not. I know, I know. I have to uh, have to. I went there. I was there last time. I was there. Actually, yeah, last time I was there was Kobe against. It was Kobe's last game there. That was pretty cool. Aww. So uh, so if I don't go to another Madison Square Garden game, uh, if I do get banned, uh, my last one was a good one. <laughs> that's, so, that's so. Hey, Adam, I I have to say that your show. I I looked forward to it pretty much every season and it was the always the anticipation before watching and you're thinking all right who's going to be featured what little you know nuances what little details are they going to focus on to, to, to find humor in and it's just such a, a fantastic show for NBA heads I think it's good entertainment for anybody but I have to say the one the one that stood out for me and Lucas asked me if one stood out for me is the dream team one 
when okay. you, you see Larry Bird and yeah. Charles Barkley coming out of the woods with the the the, the white eyes. It was, yeah. it was such a hilarious episode. And 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 I grew up in an era where the Dream Team. I saw the Dream Team on TV, so that that one stood out to me. Of course, the the episode with Sam Hinkie. And for some reason, this randomly sticks out to me. The episode where they were talking about Rookie of the Year, they were in the pub and they were all yeah, drinking yeah, and they're yeah, arguing. Yeah, the pick, and the then at the very in. end, at the very end, it's they're like Malcolm Brogdon. Right. Yeah. They're like, who? And he's sitting in the room. He's like, hey, any chairs, guys? <laughs> that, yeah. was that was hilarious. Yeah, I love that episode, too. The 1K episode is a lot of people's favorite, and it's one yeah. of my favorites, too. I remember I got into argue with my brother about that one. We weren't sure, like, because a lot of our stuff is, like, faux serious and pretends to be really serious. And that one had more of, like, a silly vibe. And I'm like, but I think it, it had, like, the guys, like, ribbing each other. And we weren't sure how people were going to feel about it. But, you know, we actually don't really play 2K but we wanted we had this idea to do something like a, a 1K 2K board game for a while and so we <laughs> talked to like all like guys in the at Bleacherboard office who like were big 2K players and we got like took tons of notes about like what they like what they don't like and it was cool to make that episode and see that 2K players like thought it nailed it and it was a really funny spoof of that so and i love the ending to me like sometimes it's it's hard to come up with an ending that's a real nice button and that that worked so uh, I yeah i appreciate it. you i appreciate those words and oh, uh, another, uh, and appreciate you liking that one I, one other episode that stuck out to me that I really thought was underrated, but loved, was the Island of Van Gundy. Oh man, that's that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, Islands that, of Van. Uh, that that this one. Is Van Gundy it was a Van Van Gundy. He has a little bit too <laughs> yeah, much. Yeah, Gundy, yeah, yeah. Gundy Van Gundy. He's severely Gundy. <laughs> and then there's Jan Van Gundy, uh, who has a thing and then for Tobias. Tobias was cr- yes, I was like Tobias was crushing on. Uh, yeah, that was Jan yeah. Oh gosh, that was a great episode. And yeah. then like the trade, like when Blake told the joke, and then Stan got St- yeah. Stan got the joke, and I was like, the first time I watched it, I'm like I didn't get the joke. And then I <laughs> then Stan explained it. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of funny, but yeah. I guess only a Van Gundy would find that funny. So that that per- that's perfect. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. No, thank you. That I, I'm really proud of that episode. That's definitely one of my favorite episodes too. So you guys are you guys are hitting some of my favorites. Like, yeah. and and that episode also it was a callback the joke because he had he was practicing that joke in the in the raid at Stables Castle where the uh, yeah I remember that yeah. Out. He was like practicing his stand-up routine. We always were kind of like going at Blake a little bit because like of his whole thing about stand-up comedy. And so like, and then like, and so then it, was, it was cool to call that back and like you get to see what his routine was working towards. And it was, I, I just thought that was a funny situation to put him in where like he's got to sh- perform for the trade to get to show how funny he is. And uh, that was so, that whole episode's so weird and I'm just so proud of how weird that episode is. So good Jerry call. West was like, not that, not, not that joke. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because his actual stand-up routine, like, I don't know if you ever saw his stand-up routine, but like, there's one bit from like early in his career where he was in like some club in like Toronto or some of that, and he's talking about going to a strip club with the players and stuff like that. Yeah. It's the whole thing, and uh, so we thought that was funny. To I gotta yeah, find no, that on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to YouTube that tonight. I want to see that. But uh, I hate this next question, but we got to ask it because some people probably don't know. Uh, sure. Your show ran for so many different for so many seasons, Adam yeah. and. You have so many fans that aren't going anywhere. It's it's going to be around f- forever, yeah. I think. But the show eventually ended. Can you go over why it ended and sure. how you felt? Yeah, no problem. Um, so you know, we had done seven. Se- it, it was it's really tough. Um, we're a very fortunate and grateful that we were able to be a part of something and make something that could impact so many people. I mean, like 
to me, like, you know, some of the most rewarding moments in my life are after, like, all the stress that we put into making these silly little things. You see all the comments and people are like, this, I was having a shitty day, but then, like, this five minutes was made my day better. That is, like, the most incredible, rewarding thing. And and, and so we're incredibly appreciative and mindful of, of how cool the opportunity was. But, you know, we it, it did take a toll on us. When we make Game of Zones, I mean, we work straight through weekends, like, like we were, we, we obsess on these things. It takes an obsession, even for a silly little cartoon, I think, to make something that people go, "That was better than I thought it would be." Um, mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and and so like it took a lot out of us. And my brother isn't as big of a sports fan, and we just felt like you know we went out with a bang. We had done the, the big you know final thing against the Dream Team, and uh, and we felt like we had evolved the show from this little viral thing all the way to almost a like movie type of saga and uh and we just felt like it wasn't we didn't want to watch it get old and stale and be one of these things that people talk about when it was good we wanted to go out on top when we still felt like we could surprise people uh and and you know and there's only so many jokes you can make about like kevin durant burner accounts and like (laughs) lebron's hairline and stuff like that and so uh, it was time for us to try something new, and so we uh, we took a big career risk. We went out on our own, and for the last year, we've been developing our own animated concept with like our original characters, and uh, and we're in the works of trying to uh, make that happen. But I can't go into too many details, but uh, but uh, it seems promising. Yeah, no, you definitely went out with a bang. I mean, making Paul Pierce the goat. I mean. Yeah. Can you can explain the that. thought process between because like the conversation was who is actually to go? You you had Alan Iverson, you had Bill Russell, you had Gordon, you had Kobe. I, who else was on that list? I can't even remember everybody to be honest with you. Uh, um, it was all, all all the all the greats. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. So, Martin. but then then you went with Paul Pierce, and it was just right. like, can you explain the process? <laughs> the reason why? Because Paul Pierce owned that. He made his uh, his character like his uh, Twitter handle pick profile picture. Uh, he right? still is. It yeah. still is. So I will say, like, I we thought we did it as a joke to make him the goat, and I'll get to that in a second. But like now that he actually has kept it as his Twitter profile, even with all the chaos in his life going on, yeah, I think he actually is the goat. I think we were right. Now I think he is the goat. But uh, <laughs> uh, um, but you know, there was really a commentary on Game of Thrones ending and how weird and disappointing it was to just arbitrarily make Bran the king. So yeah. it was our ult- that was a commentary on Game of Thrones dropping the ball at the end. And so for us, we wanted to make the ultimate commentary by disappointing people in the end the same way the show did. So the point was to make to just randomly pick someone that we knew was going to just cause a reaction. And um, and also we just thought he was really funny. He was making some really weird comments throughout like that time. And oh, yeah, he, had, he was he, better than D Wade. Yeah, yeah he said so. he's better than Dwayne Wade. And like <laughs> he was just saying crazy stuff. And um, and, and we thought it would be we couldn't really I don't exactly remember, but I knew we were like having debate about how to end it and all this stuff. And it's just the idea of making Paul Pierce the goat like made everyone laugh because he also <laughs> was being spoofed as Bran throughout because of like we had him like in, in because of the wheelchair game. So he had the brand comparison there. And, uh, you know, and, and and so like it just made sense that like we were spoofing him the whole way through as Bran and people it would be right there in front of people's faces who we were going to make the goat. But they wouldn't see it coming 
And then when you thought about it, you're like, oh my god, he was Bran the whole time, and then Bran was also made the king in Game Game of Thrones. Spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, but uh, uh, so it was really it was really a comment. It was less so a comment on him actually being the goat, and it was more about he's obviously a weird choice to be the goat and not the goat. But it was mm. to, to evoke the same feeling of, from uh, Game of Thrones. Now, now you All brought right. up something about Bran and. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you have Derek Rose start out the series? And I noticed that you guys this this did this a lot. You made sure oh, yeah. you included the same Game of Thrones characters, but you would oh, interchange yeah. which players would represent them based on where the players were in their career, right? Total mess. It was just a total mess. Like we were just like, <laughs> it was just like, it was like we didn't know we were gonna make more, so we just made the the low hanging fruit jokes right away, you know. And like, and it was yeah. like obvious, like Derek Rose with his knees was like brand, oh, yeah. you know, being handicapped and stuff like that. And so, um, and so, uh, uh, don't mean to be ableist, but I was just making the comparison there. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. But uh, but uh, but like you know, and th- we just kind of made the obvious low hanging fruit comparisons, uh, and then we got tangled. Like at one point. So, like, we started with uh, LeBron was Jamie Lannister, and then in the scene where he's, like, going through uh, the Suns, uh, Phoenix, Phoenicia, he then becomes uh, Jorah Mormont, or whatever his name is, and then Tyrion is Kyrie. So we would just mash it up, really, for whatever needs we to make whatever joke we wanted to make and not really caring. And then as we went into season four and we're like, uh, oh, God, we have to... Uh, we have to figure this out. Like, what do we do now? Like, we had done things like, for example, we made Kyle Corver a hawk, an actual hawk. Yes. He's on the hawk. Yes. Yeah. And so I then we that. just kept him a hawk. And like, <laughs> so, like some things we grandfathered in and some things we didn't. And we kind of like, there's really kind of no rules. There's no rhyme or reason. It was just like trying to solve the immediate problem in front of us in a way that was like somewhat consistent. Other uh, And other times we weren't consistent. So yeah, like we had, there definitely is, multiple characters who play multiple different um different like it's uh, the mashups all over the place yeah i I like the fact that you had d wade for uh it was a uh he was cersei yeah he was cersei Cersei. at first yeah but anyway uh you're right i think you were about to say it's time for our social media question of the week yeah social media question of the week guys if you're on social media and you're listening we read pretty much everything you guys post and the question of the week was since Danny Green is going to be out two to three weeks, who should get his minutes moving forward? Let's go to Facebook first. And I'll read a few people on Facebook. Danny Cross says Maxi. Uh, Lehigh Robinson, he just came out and said, are you furkin' kidding me? So I think we know where he wants to go. And then Adam Calentino said Thibault. Why do they not play him more? And on Twitter, we have South Broad Sport. They said Furkan and Matisse, Maxi and Shake have their minutes already built in. Adam, real quick, who do you think should get the minutes? I mean, I got to go, got to go with Dame Lillard. I mean, he's available. Damian Lillard. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl Morey works fast. (laughs) Um, Uh, I I don't hate the Thibault thing, although I'd like there being shooting. Um, I'm going to take the easy answer here, which is like, I just got to let Doc get it. He has such a good feel sometimes for these guys and like who the right person is. And so I just be guessing, but like whoever's hot that, the, you know, like whatever, put him in. If it's, a, if you're feeling Maxi, if Maxi's doing stuff pregame, they're like, he's feeling him today. Let's go, go with Maxi. If it's, if you think Shake's got it, go with him for, for fine, just rotate the guy, all the guys and then figure out who's hot and then pick him. That's a terrible answer. I'm sorry. No, no you're, you're Dame fine. Lillard. I'm going back to Dame Lillard. I, I choose him. Oh gosh, if we could, if we could, but it's not happening yet. <laughs> it could happen though. I'm actually going to say 
outside of Mike Scott, who was starting for uh, Joel Embiid for the second half of the season when Joel was injured, Borkum Korkmaz has a has had the most starts out of any reserve player with 11 with Scott having 12, but he had, he has 11. He's been the de facto go-to fill on starter for doc rivers this season. He provides spacing and Uriah, me and you both worried about this in the playoffs that he wouldn't hold up defensively or offensively. He's been proving this wrong in this series, especially he's had the hot hand. He's, you know, he has chemistry with Joel and Ben, because he's the tied for the second longest tenured player with Ben, because they were both drafted the same year. And so I think Gorkmaz is going to be the guy. He provides shooting. He has chemistry with the guys. And he's been pretty good as a starter. I think I think he averaged about um, 11 points per game as a short starter with 37% shooting, which isn't a big uptick. But he's had some really – he's gone off for some really big games as a starter – this season, a couple 20-point games. So, I mean, I love the idea of having Korkmaz as it. It just makes sense to me. Keep George Hill as that anchor veteran in the second unit. Keep Shake Milton on the bench because he does better as a as a reserve right now. Maxi can still come off the bench and, you know, be that spark plug that he's he's showing to be. I'd like Korkmaz coming in being that, you know, providing more floor spacing than Danny can. Uh, he's not nearly as good of a defender, but I'd rather have him then have a smaller guy in Hill trying to guard somebody like, you know, Bogdanovich. Well, you mentioned me earlier in terms of the trepidation that I have about Korkmaz. And I think, you know, a lot of people look back at the bubble last year and we saw Mm -hmm. how putrid of a performance that Korkmaz had, but he has emerged this uh, this postseason. He's done pretty well for the most part. I'm going to say I would stick with Thibault as a starter just because of the problems that we give Trey Young in this particular series. And then I would just give any extra minutes uh, to Furkan, because I do think he has value offensively off the bench, and uh, I think he's going to be a key component moving forward. So I want to change well, well, my answer. I, I'll, oh, go ahead. Uh, I want to also go Furkan now. You convinced me. Uh, yes! Because, because yeah, Ooh. like, first of all, he was like a plus 24 or something last game. I was like, yes, I had was. It, but I, like, which is like insane. Uh, and he also is probably, and I could be wrong saying this, but he like, you know, like you said, George Hill kind of fits in the rotation the way he does. And Furkan is kind of a Danny Green comp in, the, in, in some ways. Like he can, he's not as good on defense, I don't think, but like, you know, but he hits threes, maybe, you know, at, at the same clip. And so, I think I think I'm going Furcon now. I think I think I've been convinced that uh, that he he fits there. Just given every given the arguments, yes. Although uh, Thibel is great, but he can come in I'll come off the bench. And the other reason that I was going to say not Thibel is because you don't want him and jo- and Simmons in the game, and then Thibel be t- picking up ticky tack fouls on somebody else, and he can't mm. guard young. Smart. Then. You want to you, you want to stagger those guys. Mm. You don't want defensively because you can throw one at the other. You don't want to play them both, and then they accidentally both get into foul trouble. Mm, that's that's right, good. That's an advanced enough. opinion. You've convinced me. Yes, <laughs> this is a good podcast for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's it. We we wow. We're an hour and twenty minutes in, and we're it's about to head it. on out. It's definitely worth it. And we hope that everybody enjoyed this special episode of the Six or Sense podcast. We want to give a special thanks to Adam for being our guest this evening. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me and uh, appreciate all the kind words about Game of Zones. And uh, let's go Sixers. Let's go Sixers. We would definitely love to have you back in the future. Hopefully you would like to come back. I think we had some pretty fun banter for sure. 
great Absolutely. banter, guys. Banter almost as hot as Cork Maz was last night. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yes, I love it. All right. We wish Adam the best moving forward with all of his future endeavors. And with that said, we look forward to bringing you more Sixers content later this week. Go Sixers. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that good stuff. So go Sixers. Let's clinch it out. We'll check you guys out next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.